You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network brought to you by Lacrosse Boots. Now, if you haven't heard yet, uh, this is me telling you, you need to take a look at the new boots from Lacrosse, and they fall under the Navigator series. Now, what they've done is they've taken the best parts of a rubber boot and the best parts of your traditional hiking and hunting boot, and they've mashed them together to come up with this new line of boots from lacrosse and that is the navigator series now they have the women's windrows they have the men's windrows and then they have the atlas the atlas series within that as well so go to lacrossefootwear.com and check out this new line of boots that they have i've been using mine for a couple weeks now and i am very impressed with the the fit and the feel and i can't wait to get them in the woods this hunting season and uh, give them a trial run so lacrossefootwear.com check them out Here we go again, everyone. You are listening to the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast brought to you by Vortex Optics. Now, today, we have an awesome, awesome, awesome episode. And I'll tell you why. Number one, the guy's a good friend of mine. Uh, I always love hearing what he has to say, hearing about his seasons, his adventures out in North Dakota, and uh, he's just an overall good guy who is very passionate about the outdoors and hunting whitetails, and this particular podcast showcases that. Uh, We're going to be talking to my good friend, Lucas Psycho, and he is going to walk us through the last two years um, and the, the... I guess the detailed approach of how he attacked a specific buck. And last year he, uh, he kind of missed a couple opportunities that he had with the deer. And this year he was finally able to connect with an absolute stud of a whitetail. I don't care who you are or where you're from. It's a gorgeous deer. And that is what today's episode is all about. Uh, like I said, dude, I, I love this dude and uh, his passion to the outdoors uh, for the outdoors is second to none, in my opinion. But before we get into the podcast, right, I got to pay the bills and uh, the bill that is due today is prime archery. Now, this is the second year I've been shooting primes and uh, I know a while ago before I was even officially, quote unquote, officially working with them. 
I was at the ATA show and me and my buddy Ryan uh, were talking about how we really loved Primes and we really loved a couple other brands and I'm just so happy to be working with them because they're a company that's that makes their bows for bow hunters right they don't do too much of anything else in regards to i mean they do but i just feel like their main focus is making really high quality bows for bow hunters and um, i'm a bow hunter so that's kind of why i gravitate to the brand itself but I stick with the brand because they make badass bows, right? Uh, I am a huge fan of their draw cycle. I am a huge fan that there is no shock on the, you know, on the release. There's no hand shock, and it's just a very well-engineered product. It's manufactured really well, and if you haven't had the opportunity to go out and shoot a prime, find a dealer and go shoot a prime. Uh, and I think you will be pleasantly surprised with how well these uh, these bows perform. So go to primearchery.com and check out all the uh, all the bows that these guys uh, these guys manufacture and have available. This year I'm shooting the Prime CT3. It's a 33 um, inch axle to axle, and I am really excited uh, to be working with them. So uh, there's that. Now let's get into today's podcast with Lucas psycho all right there are a handful of people that i love getting text messages from every single year uh whether it's hey jacked for the hunting season or when they have uh or when they found success or just any any time really throughout the year when it comes to hunting in the outdoors and i recently got a text from today's guest and on this text was him behind an absolutely giant whitetail and i don't know about you lucas but i got just i got jacked up almost like as if i shot the buck that's how excited i was for you when uh you sent me that picture so uh dude are you still on cloud nine? Oh, just a little bit man oh my gosh yeah, it's it's a long time coming getting that getting this deer. Yeah, you know, like I like I you know, I just told you this a little while ago. You know, I was just taking this this buck's been coming to the office with me for the last <laughs> couple <of> days. <laughs> been carrying around his rack. So uh, yeah, yeah, just a little bit pumped about it. So you've had some practice t- uh, telling this story a little bit, then. Definitely, yeah, cool. definitely. Cool. Yep. Another another thing. <laughs> Uh, before we get into the, to this story of this buck and the history and whatnot, uh, I know it's like a lifelong goal of yours to hunt moose in North Dakota, and mm. I bet you wish you had a tag. Walk walk me through because all I saw was the video. Walk me through what was happening. What what happened with this moose encounter you had? So, so that actually happened in the middle of tracking this buck blood trailing. Oh, wow. And I'm, I'm basically, I'm getting kind of into a standstill of looking for blood. You know, it's like every 10 or 15 feet, a speck of blood. Right. Um, so I'm just out down there on my hands and knees. And, uh, all of a sudden I just hear that. <laughs> and I was kind of like, I know exactly what that sound is now. Like immediately, yeah. you know, they're just everywhere up here. So I just go, that was fairly close. And I sit there for a second, and then I hear it again, and it, and, and it, 
and it's just that's probably it sounds much closer yeah. and he does it about three four more times and each time he's getting even closer and then i start hearing the brush breaking back there and i'm like you know what i'm gonna play with this moose it's the rut up here for them they're just starting to roll up here and i'm like i love these things i'm gonna i'm gonna call back so i give him i give him a couple of you know give him a couple of those grunts and not even my second one i see his direction his path the direction kind of just the way it sounded when he was walking yeah. turned and he was going to come up this little embankment and uh i look to my left and i'm like well there's a whole bunch of moose sign right here tracks and and uh rubs all over right here on this runway so i'm like he's definitely going to come right down this thing so and i'm i'm on it you know i'm looking for blood because and uh, deer was taking path of least resistance, and that's where all these moose are traveling. And uh, so I'm like, well, I better get off the path. <laughs> so I get off to the side about, I don't know, two steps behind a big willow tree. And I just kind of push my way through the brush and get right behind it there. And, and not even 10 seconds later, he appears right up on the little ridge in front of me at about 50 yards, just destroys a tree. I mean... Mainly because the tree was in his way. And he was, like, <laughs> trying to get over here. <laughs> so I, I got my heart pumping. And that's literally right when I had my phone out and started videoing. He was just finishing destroying that poor tree. And he basically threw it out of his way and kind of kept coming. And uh, I don't know, this one, if I had to guess, was, you know, 40-some inches. I don't know, probably mid to upper 40s, I would say. And uh, so I, right then and there, I see he's going to hit that path, and he's going to come right in and... And he he does. He kind of stops, looks at me at 20 yards, where he, where he heard that that uh, that other moose, what he thought it was over there, and uh, he continues on his way. And look, a couple of seconds later, I'm standing there looking this giant animal, eye to eye, two steps, you know. And there was a I would lie if there wasn't a a moment of should I move? Should I do something to spook him? And the, I just couldn't. I was like, this is way too cool. I got to just let him come all the way in and be like right here. And I did. And finally, he must have smelled where I was crawling around there on the ground. And you can see his demeanor changed from I'm coming in to whoop some ass to shit. That's a not a moose. Right. <laughs> right. So he looks me right in the eyes and he finally just wheels and gets out of there. But that was uh, that was an experience. I've been pretty close to him, but. Not like that. Not like yeah. that. So, uh, that what's the uh, what's the moose uh, tag like for a resident up there? Can you get one? It's, it's pretty hard, right? Yeah, it's a once in a lifetime tag in North Dakota right now, which I think in the future is going to change. You know, either that or it's going to change, or there's just going to be uh, more people drawing. I think uh, more frequently. Gotcha. You know. Uh, I just because there's getting to be so many, I think they're gonna have to just up their tags eventually here, and and uh, so I I got a spot on the wall for my big Euro moose whenever I do draw the darn thing. Man, that's it's, awesome. Uh, aside from a whitetail, that's that's my next big one. Right. You know, mainly because I've just been in and around them now the last five to eight years heavily. So yeah. yeah. So you got a cool. you got a good spot, or you got a good idea when you do finally draw that uh, that tag where you can start. Oh yeah, I mean, it, it's it's actually any any big block of timber around here with some water in and around it, where there's some backup water off the river, 
anything like that. I mean, you you don't go into any woods down here and not find moose sign. You're you're gonna run into moose everywhere you go. Okay. So it's a it wouldn't be a tough tag to fill by any means. Gotcha. You know, it wouldn't be like ultra hard. Yeah. It would be if you're looking for something particular. You know, if you want some fifty plus, now you're gonna have to hunt a little harder, but still very possible. Yeah. So you're so. saying that 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 bull was a forty incher. What? Uh, is, I don't know anything really about moose and scoring. Uh, is is that a good one? What was the what was the age on that? You think? That one, I would say that one had to have been about four and a half, five and a half years old. Gotcha. I would say he was a. Uh, you know, like I said, probably mid forties. I would I would guess him at. Okay. Just just kind of going off the off the video there when he's staring me right in the face. Is that a higher is that a higher scoring deer for the area that's or a, average? That's that's a respectable moose right here. Gotcha. Very respectable. Like if if I had a tag and he came in like that and you know had I had a tag it would I could have killed that thing even though he came and stood like that because. As soon as I called him and I knew he was coming, I would have I would have took about five more steps off to my right and kind of moved towards him just a little bit, and then when he came in, he would have come down that trail, and uh, I would have had him broadside then, not yeah. not quartering right at me, looking me in the face. Right. You know. Right. So, man, that's awesome. guy could have definitely definitely got him. Man, that's awesome. So, just you know, having the ability to hunt another big game animal. It's kind of a cool thing in in a state like you got whitetails obviously but you know someday you're going to be able to hunt moose and in iowa it's just whitetails you know it's like yeah and we got you know we got white we got elk and bighorn sheep and got everything like that too, too right in so, muleys yep, yep yep i think you can even pretty sure you can do a bison a bison hunt as well yeah yeah yep. pretty sure there's something like that going on where you can do that might be like a special thing, like a like a lottery, like an auction thing, maybe if that's if I remember right. But um, you got the big yeah, game yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of opportunity. Yeah, big time. Cool. Well, you just slammed a giant, and I want to share this story with everybody because it didn't. The story does doesn't start this year. It goes back, no. right? So the first question that I want to ask you is from an encounters a shed. Um, a trail camera picture how far back does the the history with this particular buck go all the way back to it would have been early august early august last year early, early august 2018 okay yep and yep. what what was that was was that a trail camera picture was it a shed what was it uh no we were uh my dad and i what happened was my dad had actually ventured on down in a different part of the valley one day, uh, end of July, and it, this this the flooding has been just so crazy down here in the last last few years that a lot of the a lot of the access to some of the areas that we hunt is completely blocked off and gone for almost the majority of the early part of the summer until you get towards the end of July and August and stuff. So then it the river finally recedes and then you can kind of get back to some stuff even that's the main roads as well that are that are all underwater so um the river's changing things are silting in and there's just less less room for the water to go so it just spreads out so he was down there and he the first night he went down just to do a drive down there 
Um, he actually had to walk a lot of the way. He got part of the way down, and then there was a big tree falling across the road, so he had to walk. And uh, he walked way down, and, and he ended up just seeing a big group of, of bucks just running wild out out in the out across these basically just old muddy fields that have kind of dried up. And he's just like, there was a whole bunch of them. I imagine there was with all the the high water, had everything pushed up into the high ground, high ground. So he, uh, he came out of there that night and and called me and said, well, I I know where all the damn deer are, you know? And so he said, we should go down there with the camera or something one of these times and we'll go see what we can find. And, and so he and I, and, uh, my buddy Colin, we, uh, we went down there one night and scouted and, um, came across all these deer. I mean, there was just deer running around everywhere. And, uh, uh, right at dark, one of the, one of the bigger deer stepped out and the, the whole, all, like the mosquitoes were so bad that the deer just kind of run to get away from them for a little wow. bit. They go into these spots that the water was standing the longest and kind of dissipated. So there's no foliage there. There's no grass. There's no anything like that. So the mosquitoes are, are less in that type of ground. Right. Right. So they kind of run out to those areas and they're really exposed, but it's almost like, I can't imagine how, what that must be like. The mosquitoes were awful. So those deer were all just kind of running like crazy and they ran actually a long ways away from us, right towards us, right at dark, Yeah. right at last light. And I had my video camera going, didn't realize what I was filming at the time because I couldn't really make it out on my LCD. But when we got home, we were reviewing the footage and stuff the next day or, or whatever. And, and I was like, holy hell, look at this thing. You know, it was, it come running across and it was in the middle of them deer. And there was one deer that just stuck out and it was him. Yeah. Okay. And, uh, so I knew at that point, this, this deer has the potential to be really big if he keeps growing the way he was growing. Because he wasn't uh, he wasn't fully developed at that point yet, um, right at the end of July there, and uh, so from there on, uh, Dad and I basically made it a made it a goal to just keep an eye on this thing. And there was two other ones too that that were not <laughs> that were not slouches. So uh, every night we would I mean it, it became it became an obsession really quick, you know. Right. You know, that it doesn't happen all the time to us where we find a deer and, and uh, it just grabs a hold of you. You know, sometimes you just get lots of good bucks in the camera and stuff like that, and none of them really jump out at you and make you really want to wanna, wanna go after it. But this one, even before he grew into what he was, just I don't know what it was, the demeanor and the way he acted, everything, he just, he just acted like the dude. Yeah. And so I was like, you know what, I think it's time to... I think it's time to take a shot at, at uh, picking one deer and hunting that deer. Right. I hadn't done it for years. And yeah. I was like, you know, I think it's time to get, get back into that. So we got, we got real serious into scouting this thing and really serious into doing it covertly, uh, trying to stay out of the public eye while we do it. Yeah. Um, we were doing things like, uh, well, like my buddy, uh, my buddy Skyler and Curtis there, I had a little Snapchat group with those two, and I was kind of just talking to them throughout the summer and stuff about scouting and everything like that. And so I had that group, and then I had another group. Uh, so we had a, I just had a bunch of my buddies that I was keeping updated on Snapchat. And, and uh, my buddy Skyler just one day was just like, hey, you going after the HVI? And I was like, uh, 
what does that mean? You know, I was like, yeah, I'm heading down right now. You know, he's like, well, the high, high value individual. And that's where the name of this buck came from. Cause he, he's, he's an ex military guy, he's an ex sniper. So he, he said, that's your HVI. And I was like, that's pretty cool. I'm going to keep that. And so that was, that was how he got his name for me. Is uh, So my dad, uh, he would drop me off in ditches and I would run a long ways really pretty fast, you know, trying to get in and out and try to be unseen from people. And for about the two first two, three weeks of that summer uh, or August there, it was pretty quiet. It wasn't a whole lot of people. There were a couple of close calls where my da- dad just got me dropped off and I just barely made it to cover before another pickup come driving. And, and cause the thing is <laughs> over the years, people have paid attention to where I'm going and what me and him and him and I are doing and so if they know we're spending any time getting eaten alive with mosquitoes, there's probably a good reason. Right. So, so I try to stay out of the public eye as much as possible. But it's no secret that we're out there doing it. It's just a matter of where. Right. You know. So, so we tried to tried to just stay covert as much as possible, and some you know we just got away with it. There was not a whole lot of people out there doing it, getting out there doing any glassing. And when they were, there was a big wall of weeds that just kind of covered up and blocked out where all these deer were hanging out and from the main road you couldn't see any of them so you would have to get out and uh either climb a tree to see, see over there or you'd have to go over there and to go over there was almost like committing suicide with as many mosquitoes as there were <clears throat> so did that all summer kept track of them got a lot of video of them um kind of kind of almost had a, a semi-pattern going with them towards the end of august and um the last week was when I started seeing him the most at, in, in daylight, like really good daylight, like sun still up daylight. And I was get, I was starting to get pretty jacked because this deer was looking to be, you know, something in the 180s, probably 190 maybe is what I was guessing. And you're thinking this right? was last year. You're yeah, still talking yeah. last year's numbers, yeah. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yep. And then so I think it was the night before season open. I'm, I'm, I'm glassing this thing up and the, the area and he comes running out. He comes running out where, where he's been hanging out all, all, uh, all summer, all by himself. It was kind of weird that he came out first and he came running out of that stuff. He looked like he was deliberately running out of there for some reason. I don't know if there was somebody back in that stuff where he came out of, but he just acted different than he did any other day. And he kind of came out across this, this old, old weedy, uh, baby cottonwoods kind of all grown up in willows and stuff field that had been wet. And, uh, he came across that, he hit that big weed line and he kind of hung out in there and he was feeding around in there and he kind of made his way further, further away from where he'd been hanging out all summer as it got darker. And he kind of was heading, heading east, heading away from that stuff towards dark. And it kind of just threw me off. Well, I think he, I think he literally left that place at that, at that exact moment. I think I seen him leaving that spot because opening week, opening night, opening the, the second night. And then the third night we, uh, it was myself and my dad and one of my buddies, we kind of hunted, hunted that area and we hunted it very carefully and we didn't, we never did see him. We seen every other deer and we never seen him. So I, I believe he left that that night before opening season and whether he knew what was coming, I don't know, you know, deers 
seem to just do that every time, you know, time to time. They just seem like they know something's up, something's coming. I gotta, I gotta straighten up. I gotta get out of here. I gotta get back to where, you know, I survived this time of the year. And so it was like I think he, he was, went back to where. So it was like he was just he was splitting off that bachelor group. I think he was. I think he was definitely getting out of there. Uh, whether he knew what was coming or not, like obviously, you know, who's gonna know? But um, and whether that's coincidence that he just had the feeling to leave at that point, just because that's kind of the time he would every year kind of split off and head back to where his his home territory is because he ended up a quarter mile from there is where I actually found him in the in during the hunting season, which was his core area. Right. So. So, he, I, but he was heading right that direction when I last seen him there before uh, season opened. Right. So, was his core area underwater at some point throughout the year, uh, or yeah? Do you, okay. So, did the water recede then, and that kind of allowed him to go back to this other area? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, and and actually, it had kind of receded for the last couple weeks of August, and for whatever reason, he just because I was checking on that timber periodically just kind of there's there's some old old waterways back there because when that stuff drops when that water drops out you got these old kind of muddy bayous and stuff like that back through the the timber and so it's a really great way to keep an eye on what's when when is something using this timber you know when is there when are the deer actually coming back in here you know and so i kept running them bayous and checking them and and uh literally right about about the time he went back in there that day uh it was that week when i finally started seeing tracks going back in on that first bayou so i was like well it's all kind of adding up here you know it just makes sense and it took me once one season opened and once i was hunting over there and never you know had some really good hunts over there had some awesome footage of passing some really nice bucks right off the ground um it was it was apparent that he had moved you know it, been seeing him all all August and then pretty quick now nothing and so I just kind of figured all right he moved and I suspected that's where he was headed and so from there I just started from the outside and worked in I just deployed a couple of trail cameras on on some of the trails that were developing and about a week later I I got a picture of him coming through on one coming out to them fields so the hunt was on from there and <clears throat> so you I, I'd like to Go ahead. You lost him, and then mm-hmm. you uh, kind of ide- you you found out that he wasn't with this group of deer that he was with earlier. So you yeah. lost him. So then you started scouting again, and through that scouting is uh, when you located him again last year. Right, and you know, and the biggest part of that was, like I said, looking for these areas that were still a bit wet, that the water had receded and dried up, but the ground was still soft and muddy and. And so their tracks just, you know, they tell the story right there. So I just found a couple of areas that some deer were crossing some of that wet ground and put a couple of trail cameras up. It wasn't nothing, nothing major, pretty simple stuff. And, uh, got, got a picture of them. And I think the first week of, of September there and began hunting them and never did, never did get any sightings of them on the foot, on the hoof until, I think that was uh, October 27th, Gotcha. I believe. So how long until, uh, I guess, how long from the point that you got a trail camera picture of him until you were in there hunting him? 
I was hunting him that next day. Oh, the next day. Okay. Yep. Yep. What time of year was this? That was probably around September 8th, 10th, something like that. Okay. I would say. So this all happened relatively early in the season last year. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. All right. Yep. Losing him, finding him again, getting back on him, then started hunting him again. Because I knew the place is a pretty heavily hunted area, and if you, you can get away with having your woods generally quiet this you know early part of the year usually when because the mosquitoes are just so bad you know most people don't put up with that so i knew i if i was going to make it happen i got to get in there i got to be the one that's in there and so and i but i played it really safe so i would where i got a picture of him i didn't go but maybe 70 80 yards a little deeper and then i set up the first time on him and I just kind of worked my way further and further back, and as soon as, as soon as I realized that he was gonna, he was never gonna be starting to move early enough to kill him, out out closer towards the fields there, it was you know it was apparent. All right, I gotta I gotta get these cameras moved in a little bit deeper, figure out, because you know as as you, as you get out from the field edge, tr- you know trails are splitting how many times, right? right. So now your your odds of getting on the right trail that he likes to use or area he likes to use, it dwindles every time you take another hundred yards deeper, you know, cause then them trails split that many more times. And so your odds of getting onto that spot, you know, get a little bit less every time. So, but based off of past history of hunting the area, I kind of had a good idea. And so I just went off a couple of hunches from hunting that area in the past where the big deer usually like to run and, it didn't take me long to, once I moved back another couple hundred yards, back and back through the timber, it didn't take me long to pick up where he was moving further back in the timber, still moving all nighttime, all the way through almost most of September. I think towards the end of September was the first time I got uh, a daylight picture. It was like right around the 28th-ish, something like that. And that was a morning. It was a Friday morning that... I was supposed to, I was supposed to, I was supposed to be able to hunt that morning, and that was exactly where I wanted to set up, was on that trail that he actually came through on. That's where I was getting most of my pictures of him, and uh, it just it turned out that I couldn't make it out that morning, and that was the morning that he came through at like 8:45 in the morning, late. The first time I've had a daylight picture of him was the day I wasn't there. Oh, <laughs> so you can about imagine how, how sick of pissed off i was about that let me you know, ask I had you this it all planned out and... what was he doing where where did you suspect he was betting and how far away were you willing to set up or um on him compared to where he was going what was his daily routine at that point it was it was like i said 90 percent dark you know i mean or even more than that probably 97 percent all dark movement and, and late so like I said, I was, I was, I was, I played it really safe as far as how aggressive I was getting because I, at the time I didn't see where it would pan out if I went in deep, if I went in super deep. And when I say I was hunting it safe, I was hunting it with the perfect wind where I could get in there and get out of there without hopefully even, even knowing. And so with, 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 no daylight pictures up until that point. I wasn't going to just go diving in there right. and, and, uh, and, and just kind of blow it all up. 
So I was just taking my time, moving my moving my moving my way back a little bit deeper every few weeks, kind of getting a little deeper, a little deeper, and I kind of got a little bit impatient there towards beginning of October. After after I had seen he'd moved through in the daylight, I, I go all right. I, I think I think it's getting to be about that time I can get I can get a little bit more aggressive because there's probably a better chance I'm going to catch him in the daylight now because I've actually seen him his his movement in the evening has gotten a little bit earlier you know and and his movement in the morning has gotten a little bit later and so I I think it's time I can make I can make a move on the thing and and I I got further back in there I got some cameras spread out and uh, I kind of let things be for a little bit. Um, ended up checking the cameras and and now I'm fig- now I'm finding that where he's going there's really only one area that he's probably betting and so at that point it was just waiting for the right time right right winds right weather pattern right everything and then I would slip in there and and try to get my shot and that that day that that really panned out to be the day was was uh, October 27th and I came in off the river and I snuck into this spot, hung my tree stand and it was just one of those mornings, you know, it's getting colder, it's frost on the ground, it's quiet, everything feels right, you know, it's just one of those mornings getting to be closer to rut and and things just felt right and it's still dark and I start to hear something back through the timber, it's getting louder and louder and I hear some brush break and I hear a buck making a scrape and uh i i just got a feeling this has got to be him he's he's coming back it's still dark he's coming back early and uh so i just kept looking at my phone looking at my phone i'm like man we're still 18 minutes out 18 minutes out right and then here's 12 minutes out from legal shooting light and now this deer is getting pretty close and it's like ah it's still dim still super dim for for videoing and, and or anything you know so when i finally when i finally seen him come around the corner of some, some brush and it was just a black shadow at that point. And he comes around the tip of some, uh, some brush and he, he stops at the tip of it and he starts making a scrape and, uh, which happened to be right where I shot him this year, the exact spot. Um, he was making a scrape in the exact same spot where I shot him this year. But, uh, so he makes a scrape there and I can tell it's just a giant body. And, uh, I got my binos up on him. I'm looking at him. He turns his head just right, and I go, oh, God, it's him. It's him. And I look down at my phone, and I got about seven minutes left before legal shooting light. And I'm like, man, he's already at 60 yards. He's, he's been moving, you know, relatively slow, so I kind of have ho- high hopes that he's going he's gonna to hang around long enough to get a clean shot at him. And he comes in, comes straight at me. He gets about 25 yards out, and he hangs a left, which is a hangs a right. I'm looking at him. He turns right, comes across the face of the, the opening, giving me a, all the shots in the world. And I'm looking at my pin on my bow. I'm like, man, <laughs> any regular guy right now could just kill this deer, you know, because it was minutes now before legal shooting light. And uh, it was getting brighter, you know, by the, you know, just looking at it through your own eyes, you can just see everything's brighter. You know how filming is. Your camera screen is dim. You yeah. can see see everything clearly with your eyes. So, you know, the frustration is kind of getting there. I'm like, oh, God, he's going to get by me. He's going to get by me. I'm not going to get a shot at this thing. And uh, 
so at this point, I have my hand, my bow in, in my left hand, and I'm running my camera with my right, and I'm changing a couple settings on my camera, the shutter speed and stuff, trying to brighten things up just a little bit so I could try to see how good I can see. And the last time like, I looked at my phone, like I said, it was seven minutes. And at the, I was kind of counting it off in my head as, as, as good as possible. And he was at my tree within two minutes, so five minutes left, and... As I was adding it all up, he kind of comes out around in front of me. He gives me that 20-yard shot, and then he turns, and he gives me a whole another 18- and 17-yard shots, and he stands. And I look down at my, my camera, and I'm like, there's no way that's been seven minutes. And I'm kind of just in a complete indecision on what I should do because I don't want to screw something up with this, this big of a deer. You know, I'm already semi in the spotlight with people – around here they they, you know a lot of people are just waiting for me to screw up it seems like so i just don't do anything sketchy and in all that indecision trying to figure out if it was if it was a good time or not and all that stuff he just turns straight away and he walks away from me and i'm sure by the time he was 40 50 yards out it was legal shooting light so and it just all happened where were you more concerned about getting him on film or shooting him in legally. like legally okay so if you yep. came in at eight o'clock in the morning and it just yep. didn't work out with the camera you were going to smoke him definitely okay yep. okay i got you hundred percent hundred percent man you know <clears throat> i don't got anything riding on this videoing anymore right so you know I, I do it for fun but at the same time i'm i'm a bow hunter man and i've i've hunted a lot of years like, this is my 17th year bow hunting yeah. and I, I, at that time, I'd never come across, you know, something like that and had the opportunity at that. And I may had, may never have gotten another chance, you know. Right. So whether it was on video or not, it really didn't matter, you know. So, so what was crazy is uh, the video was all there. Like right. at that point, when I, when I get home and I look at the video and it's like, well, you can see them. I mean, you know, anybody I showed that footage to, they're like, you are an idiot. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. You know, <laughs> and I'm like, oh, whatever, dude. It's like, I just, I don't, I didn't want to do anything. I would never want to take a deer, uh, illegally in in any, in any way, you know, right. I would try to do everything the right way. Right. And, you know, and my gut right there, it was just the wrong thing to do. So I didn't pull the trigger, you know? All right. So from a, <laughs> so from a strategy standpoint, everything has been working out so far. Right, you you played right. the patience game, and then when you did make the aggressive move, he showed up, and uh, he just showed up a little too early. All right, so mm-hmm. as he's walking away, and I know you, what what were the gears in your head saying as as he starts to walk away? Of okay, what do you need to do to have the next encounter? <laughs> oh man, that was that one hurt. Oh, that one hurt. So. My my immediate thoughts are, man, you do you know you you, you know how long it takes and how much work it takes to just get into those exact moments, and you almost feel like you climbed the mountain and now you're gonna go all the way back down the mountain, and you got to do it all over again. Yeah, you know, it's it's just it gives you that kind of a feeling because you just know that those are just not something that happen in in a bow hunter's life that you don't get opportunities like that very often. And to try and to try to like, you know, you could say you could be optimistic and saying, well, he didn't know I was there. Uh, I could just come back and sit that and all that. But he, he, 
by the time he walked away, he, he, you could tell he knew something was up. His body language like, changed. Just, his body language, and that's why he turned and walked straight away. Because I think at one point a piece of mud fell off my boot and hit, hit the leaves below my tree while he was standing at 18. Yeah. And he just got that little bit of a, I don't know about this. Yeah. Something's a little bit weird. And he kind of did that slow kind of just, you know, walk away or he kind of just bobs his head here and there. And he can just tell he doesn't stop either. He just slowly make, creeps himself away. And it's not like a deer that's just making his natural rounds through the brush. Right. You know, okay. he definitely had some body language of something was up. So right. at that point, I'm thinking, man, whew, I don't know what the odds are. <laughs> I don't know what the odds are of, of reconnecting with him again. But that said, the magical time of the year is right around the corner from t- October 27th. So, you know, hopes are still pretty high. I know He wasn't really blown out of there, so to speak, or anything like that. But at that point, I kind of knew that spot was a little bit, little bit boogered up because I had a trail camera there the rest of the year, and I think I got two pictures of him in that exact spot it, from from that moment all the way through, I think, early December. So he, didn't, he did not like using that spot, and neither of those pictures were in the daylight. So from that moment, he kind of learned his lesson with that spot, it seems like. Gotcha. So, gotcha. So where, yeah. was, where was the next encounter with him? It was uh, probably another 200 yards deeper and some more thick stuff. I actually had a rifle tag at that point. And so with a deer that caliber, I, I grabbed my rifle, and it was like the first day. And the, the area I was going to go rifle hunting was being hunted by a buddy of mine from Minnesota. And so he was after, he was after the big eight. I actually end up shooting with my rifle. Right. And... So I was like, well, you got about a week, buddy, you know, when he, when he got there, we had that encounter with him and he was like, I'm going to hunt that deer the whole time I'm up here. And I was like, go for it. And so I said, if you don't kill him by next weekend, I said, I'll go in there and kill him with my rifle. Cause that was just, that was a deer I really, really wanted. And I wanted to kill HBI with my bow. That was the main, that was the main, uh, that was the main goal. And so, but like I said, there was two, maybe three other shooters running around this spot where HBI was. So I said, well, I'll go back there with the rifle. Any of those three or four bucks show up and I'll plug, I'll plug any one of those. And so I went back to that area and I actually had HBI running a doe at 60 yards for six, six, seven hours in some thick brush, literally 20 yards from where they kind of spent most of their time was a clearing and every time that doe that day kept trying to make a break for that opening, he'd cut her off. And I, and I would have had a clean shot at him at 50, 60, 70 yards, probably for six hours. It was, un, it was unreal. And so he had me for six, seven hours that day with my rifle, ready to shoot him. <laughs> so it was, it was gnarly, man. It was gnarly. And uh, he ends up breeding that doe all, like for that, that, that period of the day finishes up with her she comes walking right underneath my tree and he walked off the other direction through the thick brush and i was like wow what do i gotta do (laughs) what do i gotta do to kill this thing and it was a brutal sit because i it was so cold and you know 
had it not been that kind of a scenario, I don't know if I would have sat in that tree as long as I did because it was like 25-mile-an-hour winds and zero degrees. It was just brutal. Yeah. So that was, you know, I don't know, the first probably uh, 12th or something or somewhere around 10th, 9th or 10th, I think, of, of November. Okay. So that was the second encounter, right? Yep. Uh, and yep. then, okay, let's let's talk. Let's fast forward to the next encounter. Okay. So then uh, – at that point, I noticed a lot of people started moving in to where I kind of, uh, they were getting really close, real close to where I had that first encounter with him where he came in too early. Okay. And um, so I was like, you know what, uh, there's a couple people coming off the river and coming in pretty close to that spot, and there's like, some people really pressuring it from from the from the fields, from that, from that angle. So it was getting pressure from, from the south and the east, and the west, and so I said, "All right, I got to come up with a new plan here because I know what I was doing isn't going to work." So I ended up taking a whole different approach. I made a big loop from the north, uh, from the north side of this timber, and I, I walked in along the river. And this 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 brush is shaped kind of like a half moon almost, and where the middle of the half moon would be where the road is and the fields are right so the brush is shaped like a half moon and then the river borders that whole outer edge of the half moon right right so i came in from that northern part of that and i made a big loop on the on the outside edge and got in behind all this stuff that i'd been getting all the encounters with them on and i had this spot in mind all year i thought this is going to be my bailout this is going to be my my last my real last uh real good surprise attack on this deer because i had a feeling that this place where i'm gonna go has probably been untouched unmolested it's just been no nobody in there because it was just too hard to get to and because it took me like an hour hour and a half to walk to this stuff and not not by necessarily because of distance but because of the loop i would have to make to get to it properly because if you went straight line to it it would take you like 30 minutes 25 minutes but i would double my time because I'd make a giant loop to get in behind everything and come in from the opposite direction. And I went in there and, uh, it was right. I think that was right. I think that was two days before I went in there and actually had the encounter with them. I kind of sat on the outer edge of this stuff to get some eyes into the, the main runway, the main, the main area that I would always find all the rubs and scrapes and everything and all the rut sign in the spring when I'd go shed hunting, I was like, I'll just hang back. I'll just kind of take a look and see what's going on back there. And that day I seen a whole bunch of deer. Didn't see him, didn't see any of the big shooters, but I seen there was a whole bunch of deer using this back there. So that confirmed that, all right, I got I to gotta get back in there and I'll wait for the perfect wind. Because the wind really wasn't great either to be go in there real close. So I kind of hung back and just kept everything good, kind of checked it all out. So I come back two days later. <clears throat> I had... Uh, I got up late. I got up, got up late one morning. At this point, I'm getting pretty run down. I've been hunting so damn hard. I slept in, and I was like, you know what? I'm gonna. The wind's gonna be perfect by about 10 or 11 in the morning. The wind is supposed to switch. I'll try to get in there about 11, 11:30, and I'll sit the rest of the day out. So I snuck all the way back in there. I left the truck about I don't know, probably 9:45, 10 o'clock, and. It just felt like a great day. It was just gorgeous, blue skies. You know, it was just a really nice November day. And that was November 17th. 
and uh, I snuck in there. I didn't bring a tree stand. I didn't bring anything. Uh, the wind was supposed to be blowing light, so I knew it was going to be pretty quiet. I didn't want to go in there and set up a tree stand and, and uh, risk blowing anything out of there. So I, I got in there. I set up on the ground, and I barely get set up, and the first deer comes strolling through, and it's a really nice four-and-a-half-year-old deer. I mean, he just strolls through. He acts, His body language just tells me that, man, these deer have just had their way back here. They haven't, they haven't been bothered at all. So he comes through his broad daylight, like maybe one o'clock in the afternoon. Yeah. So from that point, I'm going. All right, this is gonna this is gonna be a sweet sit. I'm right on the backside of everything. I've been I've been seeing him coming in and out of, and I feel like there's this, there's this got to be a good good chance that he's gonna be using this area right now. And uh, two o'clock, three o'clock, rolling around, and a couple more bucks have already cruised by at a doe getting followed by a young buck come through and everything's working perfect these deer are coming through just like i want them to at 25 yards i'm sitting on the ground filming everything none of them look at me none of them see me and i'm like man this is gonna work this is getting this is gonna be a freaking awesome hunt here and uh about i think after about the fifth buck sixth buck i think i seen that day uh comes through and this the last one right before he shows up was a an old three by three, probably a six and a half year old deer, just a really old, wide, just a bruiser deer. And, uh, he come through and then kind of gave me confirmation there. I'm like, all right, if he's using this spot, cause I kept track of that deer this year, basically as a, uh, you know, kind of as a, as a, as a way to gauge pressure almost. Cause he seemed like a really smart deer by the way he would act and where I'd get pictures of him. Um, kind of how his movement would be. It just seemed like wherever he ended up, that was where the, that was where no, the, there was no people, and so with with him coming past me, I was like, oh gosh, yeah, there, is, there hasn't been anything going on back here because, you know, I haven't seen him anywhere where there's been any people. So he goes on through, and the sun's just just starting to kind of close down onto the trees there, and uh, just barely starts to go over the trees and starts to become just you know shadows everywhere, and I hear couple branches break and i hear hear some steps just like i heard all those other deer i look up and he's coming around the corner at 65 yards and i was just like oh my god it's gonna happen it's gonna happen this broad daylight he's coming through i got it all set up he's doing everything that these other deer have already done and he comes walking through i got camera on he comes walking into my lane uh right before he walks into my lane anyways i draw back he goes behind some brush comes out the other side, and he kind of just, the only deer all day that turns the look over at me is him, right? He steps out into the lane, and you can just see, just notice something off to his left. He turns, and he just gives me the most beautiful pose, and he's just like, shit. You can just tell his, 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 his body language, everything went, I'm busted. And I let an arrow fly, and I see that green knock just sail clean right over his back, and my heart just sank, man. It was it was it was awful. Was it a um, was it a rush shot at all, or were no, you trying to no. beat his posture, or did he he was <laughs> dropping while you were pulling right. the trigger? So at that moment, it seems like I just missed him, right? And I didn't know I didn't know this at the time, but I actually clipped a limb at about fifteen yards. Oh, buddy! Just a small limb, just overlooked it, didn't even see it, and I clip a limb and it sails right over his back. 
as he's dropping as well. So if he had not dropped, because I've watched the footage so many times and marked it all, I would have spined him if he didn't drop, even hitting that limb. Yeah. But had he with him dropping and then hitting that limb, it just sailed like an inch over his back, which I'm glad. I, I'd rather just him not even get hit, right? Right. Than have a sketchy shot. So when I seen that miss, he runs off, snorts forever. I mean, it was just... I still can hear that sound, you know, snorting, just going off, just freaking haunting, man. And I fell apart, dude. I was just, I was so defeated at that point. I couldn't believe I did that. You know, I just couldn't believe that happened. I had hunted so freaking hard that it just felt like that was the end of my season. It just did, you know. As far as chasing that deer, it just seemed like, man, I don't know what else I could do. I just totally screwed up my opportunity at him. You know, the one I just dreamt about and I thought about nonstop. I had it pictured that exact same way, you know. And so I, I'm just in the lowest of lows right there at that moment. So I just packed up and I am literally got all my stuff put away. I and mean, I know the deer that I'm after, he he's not anywhere close. He's not coming back through here. So I'm just packing up and getting out of there and, that's when I have everything put together and I go to unzip my, my winter clothes. So I take them off to walk out and I hear, I hear a deer walking towards me from where he was. So I go, no way. There's no freaking way this is him. Right. So obviously I'm not going to stand there and just wait and see. So I just get down on my knees real quick, grab my bow and pull everything out of the, added my bow sling and everything and knock an arrow and get my release on. And as I clip my release on, I look up and that deer, this deer steps out around the corner and I go, holy hell, that's a big deer. And at the moment, I was like, yeah, he's he's coming in. He's actually going to come in. I, I was actually thinking that maybe when I looked up when he came around the corner that he had seen me. But with his posture, he just kind of flicked his tail and he kept coming. And I'm like, holy hell. And I seen this big flyer off to one side. And I'm like, you know what? This is meant to be. You know, I was like, this is meant to be. I just exact same thing. That's a very that's the thing I said to myself in that moment. I was like, it's meant to be. If he gives me a clean shot, I'm taking this thing. Because he was a big deer, you know. Right. So he comes comes through, and he stands right right where that brush is, right before it cr- crosses into my, my uh, shooting lane. And he actually turns and peers right into the brush that I was sitting in. Because I think he maybe did see me when I clicked my release on, and he just seen some movement. He didn't really see anything, really. He just seen some movement. So he came in, and he kind of stared in there at 10 yards. And uh, I, I just kind of stared him. That he stared. We stared each other down for a couple minutes, and he finally was satisfied that he didn't see anything. And he turns and walks back away, and then he ends up on the same trail I shot at HVI. And he comes into that same lane, and I shoot and I hit him, and he runs off. And I was like, "There's no way that just happened." <laughs> you know, 18 minutes later, after I just shot at a freaking beast of a deer, another beast of a deer shows up, and I was right. like, "Well." all right so to tell me you know yeah so we gotta we gotta we gotta speed this thing up just a little bit all right yep so well it's still the ending speeds up because i didn't hunt this thing very much this year (laughs) right right so you miss him another buck comes along you shoot him all right yeah so this deer is still in the back of your head all through the rest of the season all through the the winter um did you go out and look for his sheds specifically? Yeah, yeah. And yeah, did you find them? And, and no. No, okay. <laughs> nobody that I know has found them. Other okay. guys that, are, that were looking for them, no. Nobody has found them. All right, so any postseason 
pictures of him? Uh, nope. Nope. Okay. Nope. So I, didn't, no I didn't get any. Nope. No postseason no sheds, pictures. No postseason. All I had was word from another guy that seen him, um, seen him run across the road in late December. Okay. That's all I seen. All right. That's all I knew about it. So, when was the next confirmation that he was alive? Literally three days before I killed him. Okay. So did you go out and do any scouting or Mm -hmm. hang any trail cameras before the hunting season specifically for him? Yep. Basically replicated the summer before. Okay. Just no sightings. They had a bunch of corn growing this year in that higher ground that they were hiding in last year, you know, this last summer. So the corn, with all the corn that was grown up, it was very limited being able to see what was running around in the area. Still got a good look at a lot of bucks and had cameras out everywhere and had some really big bucks on camera. Um, just, I have one picture that I'm pretty sure is him, but it was a blurry, crappy picture. And at that point, I wasn't ready to believe it was him because it just it was just too not good enough of a picture. It was, I had a feeling it was him, but... Uh, until I talked to a friend of mine, Tyler, that said that, uh, he had pictures of him in a spotting scope. He had, uh, he sent me some pictures like three days before I killed him and verify. And then I go, no shit. There he was. And he was, and he was literally scouting him right where I was scouting him, you know? And so it just happened to be, he was down there a night that I didn't, I wasn't down there and didn't see him. So at that point I just go, all right. Um, I'm gonna wait for the perfect time and I'm gonna slip in there where, you know, and I'm go, I was, my whole plan was to go right in where he walked away from me in October. And that was where I was going to start because I've, you know, creatures of habit. I was just going to, I was going for it basically. Right. You know, was there, uh, so, so you got, you got confirmation three days before you killed him and you said to yourself, okay, I'm going to go back to the last place that I saw him thinking that this is the, you know, this is where you were going to start. Now, was there a, was there a reason that you chose that spot, uh, whether it was a cold front coming through or, or was it just like the last bread, uh, the last breadcrumb, uh, where this deer is where I'm going to start? Yeah, it was, it was basically a mixture of everything I learned the previous year. Right. It was a mixture of just everything I learned about him. And then uh, we've been getting a lot of rain. It happened. It, it kind of spontaneously happened that it was this past Friday at work. I'm sitting there at the office and the the rain is kind of slowing down in the morning. And it had been raining for like a day and a half. And it yeah. was colder. We got we kind of got colder. So I started looking at the weather and I started looking at the wind. And I'm like, man, it's been raining for like a day and a half straight. We're going to get like a 24 hour gap and literally going to have about seven, seven hours of, of dry, just really cold air up until shooting light tonight. Right. That day, right there. I just go, all right, it's time. I'm just going to, I'm going to dive in there. I'm going to go right in where I watched him walk away. I'm going to sneak in there. I'm not taking a saddle. I'm not taking a stand. I'm not taking anything. I'm just going to trek my way back in there. I don't care what the sign looks like, anything. I'm just going to go for it. I'm going for broke. You know, I just had a feeling to do it. It was just all intuition, dude. I don't really, can't really explain it any other way. And you went so with I, the gut. I knew it was going to be wet. Huh? You went with a gut. Big time. Yep. 
big time. And so I told told my buddies, told my dad, told everybody. I'm like, when I left, when I, as soon as I picked up my bag, packed up my computer and stuff out of the office that day at four o'clock, I got to my pickup. I texted everybody. And I said, uh, I'm "Going to kill HBI, you know, <laughs> I'm going to do it." And so. I got out here. I got all my stuff together really quick. I, I wasn't packed and ready to go when I went went to work or anything like that. So it took me a little bit to get everything together. I just threw everything in the bag, got got everything, threw my chest waders on because at the time I had not gone back in there because there's been so much damn water standing that I just had no. I really didn't have a whole lot of faith that there was a bunch of any deer back there. But just seeing that picture of him, it just it just it just my curiosity just spiked. You know, I was like. He's not. He hasn't been out here. We're nobody's. We're not getting pictures of him. He's. You know. He's got to be somewhere. And I'm like, well, I haven't been looking where I was after him all last year. So I'm going in. So I trek in there about a mile and a half in. I cross through. You know, several big deep spots of water. You know, waist deep. And and uh, at that time, I'm like, holy shit. There's a lot of water back here. I. You know, I'm kind of thinking. I'll be surprised if I see anything. And then. Even where there wasn't water last year, I'm walking through knee-deep water. And uh, so I get through, you know, a few hundred yards of all that stuff and finally start hitting some high, higher ground. And, oh, shit, there is some deer back here. There's a few tracks here and there. And so I hit the trail that uh, I got a picture of him last year, the first daylight picture, uh, end of September. And I was like, all right, I'm just going to hit that. That'll be the quietest way to get back to where I'm going. I won't make any noise. It's a fairly good trail. You know, I pick my way through quietly. So I get back there, and as soon as I hit this little ridge that I was hunting last year, big scrapes just start popping up everywhere, like four or five scrapes within 100 yards. And one of them has a big, big old log of shit in it. I mean, this thing was huge. And I just immediately, and with all the big tracks I was just seeing on them on them scrapes and everything, I just knew it right there, man. It's over. I'm, I'm going to get a look at him tonight, and I, he's, he's not getting away. You know, at that point, I'm literally almost 100% positive I'm going to kill this deer. I just, just had that, that gut feeling. Wow. And uh, so I, the last 100 yards, I snuck, uh, took me about 45 minutes. I just waited for every gust of wind, take a few more steps, another gust of wind, take a few more steps, and it took me about 45 minutes to go that 100 yards, just glassing, you know, looking at everything, trying not to just make sure I got in perfect. I get in, I get, I get to my spot, and uh, I'm like, you know what? This is gonna, this is. I'm a little bit exposed where I sat, just a little bit. I had a lot of back cover. I had a couple of little things on the ground, little bush, bushes and stuff around me. But for the most part, I stood out like sore thumb. If you just, you know, once you see the footage in the GoPro, you just think, how did he get away with that? But um, I get set up, and I text my dad some pictures of my setup, and I say, it's on, dude. I'm going to kill him. And 20 minutes later, I'm standing there, and I look, I'm just looking around. I just see something brown go from the, from the ground up. And I go, holy shit, I just watched a deer stand up at about 75 yards. And I put my binos up. Holy hell, it's HBI. No way. Holy hell, I'm looking at HBI at 75 yards. You know, and he stood up right there. I, I snuck within 75 yards of him and got set up. And at that point, I'm like, oh, this is, this is, I'm going to get a shot at him. And he starts just trashing a tree. Uh, he stretches, you know, does his whole thing, cleans himself up, takes a long piss. And I get all this great footage of him. And it's just almost like, you know, 
if I could have written it myself, it just went down just like I wanted. And so he comes out of there. He crosses at 35 yards. I, I pass that shot up because I know when he comes around this point, he's going to turn, he's going to come towards me, and I'm going to get an even closer shot at like, you know, 10 to 20. And so he comes around that point. He makes a big scrape, tears up the brush, comes around the corner, comes in at an angle, and I let him come in a little bit further than I, I could have shot him several times on the walk in, but he was quartering so hard. So I let him get closer, and he starts to come through an opening, and I let one fly. Shit. I hit him right right in front of the back leg, dude. What? So, Yep. Okay. Exactly. So I'm freaking at that point, you know, I'm about to imagine what I'm going through when I see that arrow hit there, right? So I'll go back to what I think happened in that moment, right? But I'll just continue. So he wheels out of there. At that exact moment, I'm just reaching over for another arrow. I just grab another arrow because I go, that's not going to kill him. Or if it does, it's going to, I don't even know if I'm going to find this thing, right? So I'm grabbing an arrow. I knock an arrow. And I have to take two steps over. And at this point, he's basically like gimping along, right? He actually looked like he was in pretty rough shape. He almost acted like he was in rough shape. And I wasn't going to take any chances, right, hit, seeing where my arrow hit. So he comes into a spot where I, I, I kind of just take a quick guess at what he was. I was like, ah, 35, something like that, 35, 40, whatever. I just kind of have a single pin, so I, I rolled my deal and set it up at 35 and drew back. He stepped into the lane. I let one fly. It sounded like a miss to me, but I actually hit him. But at that point, it sounded like a miss. I didn't think I hit him. He wheels out, and he goes and stands about 75 yards and snorts, I don't know, 25 times as he's walking away and gimping away. I'm ready to freaking hang up my bow at that point, dude, and just <laughs> get the Quit hunting quit, altogether. <laughs> I'm ready. At that point, I'm like, I I just was so disappointed, man. I, I, I don't know. At that time, I missed him. I felt bad, right? I missed him. I felt bad. But now I hit him. And I hit him bad in my head. And I'm thinking, like, what and what a moron, dude. I felt so crappy. I was like, what well, you just pulled off, and then you shank a shot that bad. I mean, dude, I didn't I – was, I was in a bad spot, right? So at that point, I just stay quiet. I, get, I pack up my stuff, and I just start trekking out of there because uh, – at that point, I know I, I got to give this thing some time no matter what, you know. And like I said, there was going to be about a 24-hour gap in rain. So that's going through my head right away is, oh, yeah, great. And I have a few hours tomorrow to get out here and actually track the thing, you know, before the rain starts dumping. So everything's going through my head that, you know, this is I couldn't have, couldn't have screwed up anymore, right? And, uh that walk out of the woods was just by far the worst walk out of the woods I've ever had. And I'm just walking through swamp and the mosquitoes are terrible. And I'm feeling like just a loser, you know? And, uh, so I get home, I get back to, back to town. I stop and talk to my dad and I kind of explained it all to him and, you know, and talk to a few other people and, you know, everybody kind of tries to give you that, that hope, you know, whether it's false hope or not, it just doesn't matter to you at that time. You're just kind of like, you know, I just Nothing can't think that I'm going to find anybody says is going to make you feel better. No, not even. I don't even want to talk to nobody. Right. You know, and at that point, I'm just like, I don't want to even talk about it, dude. I just, 
I just want to just go sit in a hole <laughs> and, and not see anything or do anything and just punish myself, yeah. <laughs> you know? Been there, man. And, uh, so, yeah, you've been there, you know. So, and a lot of guys have. And I don't you know, if you bow hunt long enough, you're going to be there. You know, it doesn't matter. It's going to catch up to you eventually. And uh, so that's kind of the, that's the fact of the matter. So anyways, the next day comes up. I kind of, I let, I let, the wind was, uh, wasn't really great for people to be hunting in there, but I also didn't want to be that guy that goes in early in the morning on a Saturday morning and go and blows up a bunch of people, you know, anybody's hunts, right? So I wait till about nine thirty, ten o'clock before I ever show up down and park to the parking lot, which I thought, you know, that's plenty of time for people to be getting a decent hunt in at least, you know, I got to beat this rain, you know? So I get down there and uh, I trek all the way back in there. I go solo because at that point, I'm thinking, I'm gonna, if I track this thing and I actually find him, he's going to be probably alive. You know, and I don't want to have anybody else in there making noise or anything. On, I just want to be able to get another, another shot into this deer if I have to. So I take off on the track in there. And I, go to, I go to where I shot him, and uh, there's no blood anywhere. I find the arrow that I hit him with. It had like six inches of penetration is all. I don't even know what I hit because the, the, the rage hypodermic I had in didn't even have any damage. So I don't know what I could have hit with that little bit of penetration with not da- without damaging it. It was really weird. Um, so I find that and I see where I, I find his tracks where he had wheeled away when I shot the second time because his tracks were all at an angle, right, where he pressed off and launched. And uh, I started looking for that arrow, that second arrow. I couldn't find it. And I was like, well, whatever. I, I'm, I know I missed that thing. It sounded just weird. You know, my arrow, it sounded like it hit a log or something. So I finally find where some blood, and I'm like, holy shit, there's a significant amount of blood here. And I'm like, now I'm kind of thinking, man, we might find something here, you know. And uh, I track him for about 100 yards, and I find a bed, and a good bed with lots of blood in it. And... uh I, I leave the bed, and, you know, after that first bed, it's kind of like the test of, like, what's going to happen? Right. Is he going to keep bleeding? Is he going to bed right away again? Blood going to be gone? You know, as, at least in my experience, that's kind of the test of what's going to happen, if you're going to find him or not. And so from there, I'm literally getting 10, 15 feet of uh, a speck of blood every here and there. For another 60 yards, I track him like that. So my dad had been waiting out on the river with the boat kind of just out cruising around and scouting some stuff. And so I call him and I'm like, this is, this is right after that moose, <laughs> the moose encounter, right? Yeah. Uh, the moose happens. So I call my dad and I go, Hey man, I'm kind of at a standstill in here. And they just legalized tracking with dogs. I think it was this year, uh, in North Dakota. So, uh, I called my dad. I was like, well, you might as well bring your dog in here and let's uh, see if he can pick up anything for us here. And, uh, so he comes in to meet up with him and I met up with him where I shot at that, with that second arrow while I was waiting for dad, I started looking for that arrow. I couldn't find it. So I told him to just stand where that deer was. And I walked back to where I shot at him and I kind of lined everything up, stepped it all off. And it was actually 45 yards and not 35 yards. So I was like, all right, this arrow has got to be real close to his feet here where he launched. I find the arrow a couple steps behind where he was standing. And this thing is covered in a bunch of fat and white hair. I'm like, oh, shit, I hit this thing. So at that point, I'm like, ah, I just, I just skimmed the bottom of him in the brisket or something, and that fat where the white hair is, right? 
because there was no blood or anything. It didn't seem like there was extra blood after that. So I didn't think much of that. Well, we take off on the track. Uh, the dog's doing really, really good. And uh, he follows from there all the way to where I lost blood. And he takes off down the trail, and my dad's going right with him with his rope on him, and he's following him. He's just a little blue healer dog. It's no special blood, blood, uh, you know, uh, bloodhound or anything like that. It's going to be tracking like guys have, you know. But he's, you know, he's a dog. He's got a better nose than anybody, you know, than us. So it was like worth a shot. And so they take off, and I'm kind of trying to verify where they're heading. And my dad whistles at me, and I'm like, oh, at least I thought he whistled at the dog. And he whistles again, and I'm like, what is he doing? This deer could be bedded right here anywhere, and he's going to blow him out of here. And I come around the corner, and he whistles, and he's pointing at the ground over here. So I go over there, and there's a bunch of blood again all over the place, bed, like two beds right next to each other. And at that point, I'm like, this thing's got to be going down. There's just too much blood. And the dog takes off up the little embankment, takes a left turn, and I'm looking at him, I see, holy shit, there's a bunch of blood up there. So we go up there, and then at that point, I see all the blood going through all the thick brush, and I go, okay, he's going to be here somewhere. And uh, I take a few steps off to the right, I get up ahead of the dog, and uh, I see all the blood, and I'm following it, and off the corner right-hand side, of my, my right-hand side, I just get a glimpse of his ass, and I could tell he was dead, and freaking, I, I, dude... I freaking lost it. <laughs> lost it. So holy shit, I lost it. So you went from shooting him back, not knowing where the second arrow hit, and feeling like a pile mm-hmm. of shit, to yes. turning your head, seeing him, and you said you lost it. But I want you to tell me what went through your brain at the at that exact time. Absolute absolute relief, dude. Uh, that's that's really all I can all I can explain is absolute relief. Uh, if if anybody has ever seen Todd Prignitz recover that that buck Walter Payton, <laughs> that is a very good uh, comparison. Yeah, I, I've never felt like that. I've never felt even when I watched him recover that deer, I, I always kind of wondered like how much like that is a powerful moment to make somebody do that, right? And to be uncontrollable, to be just like absolutely engulfed in your, the whole emotion of the whole thing. But it was everything, man. I've went, I went through so many ups and downs with that deer. So many. Not, and I only got, I only, I barely even scratched the surface today telling you guys about it. And it was just everything culminating in one moment. And I look over and it was just literally like, everything just released and I was just so freaking relieved that I, it, it, I had done it. I had actually done what I'd set out to do a year ago, year and a half ago. And how I work, I do, I work, I've never worked so hard in my life to kill one deer, to kill a deer. Yeah. I'd never, I hadn't, and I had never been any more committed to it. And my dad was there, dude, you know, and he was emotional with me, dude. It was, it was, it was everything you dream of. Right. It was everything a guy dreams of in that moment of just how it all comes together, dude. And you were able to, sh- I was able to share it with my dad. And, you know, I had been thinking about Todd a lot over the last, that last 24 hours, you know, talking to him, just telling him about, you know, just, I was like, dude, I was just telling him, like, if there's any way you can help me with this deer, like, just please, I need your help. Like, you know, and I get emotional talking about it, dude. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's powerful. It's very powerful, man. And, uh, yeah. 
And I'll tell you, I'll tell you right now, that dude has the best seat in the house watching this, uh, watching oh, this man. upcoming season. You know what I mean? He's, oh, uh, he's rooting for yeah. a lot of people. I know, man. I know. And I felt like he was there that day. I just, you know, because I was, he's always been one of the first guys I talked to as soon as I kill a deer, shoot a deer, anything with a deer. He's always been that guy. And one of those guys, you and him and, you know, Zavel and, you know, my dad and his, it was there was something missing, you know, and and that's what that's what I think that was just a lot of it too, you know. It was I had a lot going through me, you know, and yeah. just all kind of came out at once, and it was just. But I couldn't have felt any better, dude. I couldn't have. It was just. It was perfect. It was perfect. That's the cool thing is, is at that point, it, it's not about it's not about the end result, which is killing the big buck. It's yeah, not the culmination of everything, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, big time. Yeah. So it was, it, was, so it was all of that. For everybody, just just for, you know, for someone to imagine what this deer looks like, right? What was he mm-hmm. last what was he last year from your your guess as a score to what he was this year? Uh I think last year he was probably uh mid 170s to mid 180s. It just it was hard to it was hard to tell. Yeah. You know, he had a lot of a lot of different things going on. He was like a he was a seven by six basically last year. This year he's a six by six. Uh this year he's got he's just got so much more mass than last year. Uh it's he's if I if I had to really guess, man, and we had both racks sitting here, I would I wouldn't even be able to tell you probably which one was either bigger or not. I yeah. really wouldn't. You know, and you know me. Uh, I, you know, that's probably the last thing that ever crossed right. my mind, too. Right. But I understand a lot of people are interested that in in that also. Just from a visual. If I had to guess what he is yeah. now, he maybe would have lost a little bit, basically because he lost a few extra tines and the length. You know, he you know he added some mass and everything. But man, I'd put him you know just north of that 170 if I had to take a wild yeah. guess. Absolutely. Right now. Absolutely beautiful animal. And uh, yeah, yeah, man. And a beautiful story. And I just love talking to people who share like the best part about about my job sitting here and talking to people who are passionate about this is because I can relate to them on on this Mm -hmm. level specifically. And it's just the passion that uh, these guys have. You're you're one of them who just Mm -hmm. it is. There's no real words that can that can explain how I feel about mm-hmm. not just deer hunting, but bow hunting, right? Bow hunting right. for whitetails right. is a, is I, it's almost like what I was meant to do on planet right. earth. You know what I mean? The creator says to me, dude, you're going to be a bow hunter. And, uh, exactly. and that's what I do, you know? <laughs> so, yeah. And I mean, I couldn't, you know, and everybody, you know, I mean, just, I mean, if you think about what I did, I went through all that in one year and then just, I get, I get word that he is for sure alive. And then I just get this gut instinct, whatever, whatever it was, intuition. I don't know what you want to call it, but it's really weird. It's really crazy. That's just, that's just me doing what I was meant to do here and on this, this earth. Like that was, that's my gift, you know? is having those types of feelings and those in, intuitions and, and to just know when is time for what when it comes to hunting deer. You know, I've always had that kind of just – and be totally honest, there's something about just overwhelmingly believing what you think is going to happen. Yeah. You know, envisioning something and you just envision it enough times and you believe in it enough, I think you can just sometimes just 
manifest things because that's how exactly how that seemed how that's almost exactly what it felt like when i seen him stand up dude yeah. i was like wow did my brain just create this situation because, <laughs> <laughs> because you know you created in your head how many times right. over and over and over when you think of a particular deer you want to kill or a deer yeah. you think of those moments and you just picture them and you're like oh it should be nice if you just stood up over there you know yeah but you know things just don't like that happen and yeah. it happened <laughs> uh, it did it did happen and now you got yeah, a ta- now yeah. you got a taxidermy bill coming your way Hell yeah, he's getting full body, dude. Oh, he's full body? Full Are you kidding me? Yep, he's going, he's going. I've been waiting for the day to, to do one, and it was actually Jen, my wife, that last year, after he got away from me last year, she said, for what you went through with this deer this year and what you've put me and your kids and all of us through, through she's like, you kill this freaking deer next year, like you say you're going to do, because I've told, I told everybody, I know everything about him. If he's alive next year, I will kill him. I told everybody that. Because I, I, it's one of those things. You've heard Conor McGregor say it, the UFC fighter. He said, you say it enough and you believe it enough yourself, you will manifest it and you'll make it happen. Right. And so I just believed in that, you know. Yeah. And it feels like, you know, that's just what I did. Yeah. And so she, when I killed him, she said, well, where's he going? Because you're full body in that thing, <laughs> you know. <laughs> so oh, I was like, nuts. yes. <laughs> he is. I'll do it. Oh man. Well, I tell you what, uh, dude, I'm so happy for you. Congratulations on a, a beautiful animal, an awesome story, and uh, I uh, savor this moment because I know you're probably already thinking about what's next. Yeah, <laughs> definitely, definitely, man. Got a lot of plans this this year yet. So, yeah, I definitely relishing in it though. Definitely am. I'm taking it all in. Ladies and gentlemen, that was Lucas Psycho. He's the man. Huge shout out to Lucas for uh, hopping on once again and sharing this awesome story of uh, a guy who literally became obsessed and went out and got the job done. And uh, I love uh, stories like that. Congrats, Lucas, on a beautiful deer. Uh, Huge shout out to each and every one of you for taking time to download this episode if you want to get all of the nine finger chronicles or all of the sportsman's nation episodes and podcasts be sure to subscribe you can go to itunes or you can uh, go to wherever you download your podcast and subscribe also be sure you're following on the sportsman's nation and nine finger chronicles facebook and instagram page lots of cool lots of cool content and uh like chitter chatter going on on those uh, on those social media sites as well. If you're haven't yet, be sure you are following the rules to do the giveaway. And that giveaway, all that information for the giveaway is on the top of the Nine Finger Chronicles Facebook page. Be sure you share that uh, that pinned post there, and I'll be drawing a winner as soon as I get back from the uh, my mule deer hunt in South Dakota. Other than that, man, it's fall. We're going to be hanging and banging. We're going to be running around. We're going to be hanging up tree stands. And uh, guys, please be safe out there. Uh, You know, I I love this time of year because we all get jacked up. But the best time of the year is not quite here yet. Um, so if you have limited time, be sure you're still spending time with some family, right? Take the kids out and go on a doe hunt or 
do something fun outside with them because this is a fun time of year for everybody and uh then you can like ditch the family <laughs> come november and uh and then grinder you know start grinding it out and uh that's the best time of year so save your brownie points and uh thanks again everybody huge shout out to all the partners of this podcast vortex lone wolf ripcord wasp ozonics prime and again vortex man without this without their support this isn't possible and uh I, I like that this is possible for me to do. So uh, please go out and support the companies that support this podcast. And lastly, if you're going to be in a tree, wear your damn safety harness. Have a good week.